In a world where it seems totally normal to listen to a podcast about the Toronto Argonauts, it's the X's and Argos Podcast. Welcome to the X's and Argos Free Agency Special, brought to you by Funny Bone Broth. My name is Ben Grant, joined as always by JB. We're about a month away from starting a new season of weekly podcasts, and of course we double that once the season gets underway, but we planned on bringing you this special episode because we know there's always so much going on around the start of CFL Free Agency, and the Argos didn't disappoint, and so we've got the special for you here today. We're going to talk also about the new coaching staff, some of the new signings, as well as players that the Argos re-signed, the free agency signings, of course, and there were some big ones, and then we'll go through positions of need, if there are still any. All that and more coming up on this special episode of the X's and Argos podcast. JB, let's get right into things. Let's let's talk about this coaching staff. Here we are once again, another new season and an almost entirely new coaching staff. Well, there's a lot of replacements. <laughs> um, yes, we have returned from our, our break um, to uh, more uh, Calgary coaches. <laughs> yeah, I know. And players. Yes, a lot of Calgary. I'm pretty excited about this coaching staff. I like the combination. I think my fear when Coach Jones took the job in Edmonton, which we all kind of knew was going to happen, and he took a bunch of guys with him, my worry was that Coach Dinwiddie, with the few connections that he had, because he hasn't coached all over the place, my worry was that it was going to be a lot of young coaches coming in to replace some of these veteran coaches that were leaving. And I think we got a really nice combination there are a couple of young guys, but there are some experienced guys in here too. And then there are some some coaches that I'm really excited about who have been sort of the buzz in the CFL coaching circle for the last few years. So I thought we kind of go through this and and sort of look at uh, some coaches. I, I guess they're really the ones that I'm excited about the most, but we'll kind of go through the new staff. So you get a little bit of a breakdown there. So obviously Ryan Dinwiddie's back as head coach. And JB, you and I both agree, we we were impressed with his first year, a difficult situation for a new coach to manage. He did really well. Are you fully comfortable with him at the helm this year? Yeah, he, he earned the benefit of the doubt of um, you know, for me, I thought I thought he I thought he coached very well last year. I didn't think there was anything glaring. Um, you know, I think the there are still things that the offense needs to do to get a bit better, and the red zone needs to get better. But uh, I'm I'm happy with him returning. I thought he did a really good job last year coaching. And it's interesting that he now is officially also the offensive coordinator, a position that Coach Jackson held last year officially, even though it was Coach Dinwiddie's system. So he now, there's no <laughs> there's no hiding it. it is, he's the head coach and offensive coordinator. So he's going to have to answer some of these questions. And I would like to, one of the things I want to see in the development of his offense is I want to see... I want to see more routes downfield. I want to see more options downfield. A lot of his concepts uh, were really bunched in tight. And I think that speaks to the type of receiver he he had in. You know, we didn't have a lot of burners. But you don't need to have 4-2, 4-3 guys to throw balls downfield and have guys open downfield. So that's the one thing I want to see him add. I loved everything else he did. But I want to see an adjustment for for more verticals, um, you know, 989s and things that just get the the ball downfield. Uh, because I, I do think, despite his numbers, I think McLeod Bethel-Thompson's a guy that you want throwing downfield. If he's going to do anything, 
Like get him throwing the ball downfield because I do think he does that well, despite the fact that his numbers were horrendous deep downfield last year. I attribute that to being more a flaw on the concepts and on the offense than on McLeod Bethel-Thompson. So that's the one thing I want to see from him. But otherwise, like as a head coach, yeah, I thought he was fantastic. Yeah, and it it should only improve year two because, um, you know, from a player perspective, they know he got them to Eastern final. Um, You know, you, you keep the players who are on board with your program. You get rid of players who don't. Uh, you know, I think year two should be, you know, a real step forward because, you know, everybody should be, there shouldn't be any doubts. So I think we're really going to see this year who he is. I mean, I think year two is huge. I mean, if he comes out and and the Argos are, are first in the East again, I think then you have to start talking about him being, you know, an elite coach. One of the biggest concerns I had was replacing Coach McAdoo on the offensive line because he's a very good offensive line coach. And they're not that easy to find. And you've talked many times about how it's the most important positional coach on the entire team. I agree with you. So Coach Sweet is coming from uh, the Howard University uh, as an offensive line coach. He coached at Lion College before that. He's been in the CFL as well. He coached with the Owls on the offensive line, with Edmonton on the offensive line, Saskatchewan as well, Calgary. He's been all over the league as an offensive line coach. He's got a ton of experience. I'm not at all worried about him. And in fact, I'm excited. Mike Miller as the quarterback's coach, same thing. Ton of experience, been coaching for years. Now, the offensive coach I'm most excited about coming in is Pete Costanza because he reminds me of, I guess, the kind of buzz that was going around with Coach Dinwiddie when he first came in. When we signed Coach Dinwiddie, everyone in CFL coaching circles was talking about him as the next big thing. Everybody wanted him and the Argos were lucky enough to get him. He turned out to be the real deal so far. And Pete Costanza is one of those guys too. Uh, He was in Calgary, but most recently in Winnipeg, and they would love to have kept him. Uh, He did some amazing stuff. His understanding of passing concepts, I think, you know, as a receivers coach and passing game coordinator, he may be what Coach Dinwiddie needs when we talk about those concepts, those deep concepts that, that weren't really part of the Argos passing game, or at least weren't a successful part of the Argos passing game. Coach Costanza is going to come in and iron that stuff out. If if anybody can, it's it's going to be him. So he's the coach I I was going to say I'm most excited about, but that actually might be uh, coming up in just a minute. Uh, I'm very excited about Coach Costanza. I think he's going to come in and and do some great things. Yeah, it's it, it's an absolute coup. I mean, I think it it speaks to the respect that Dinwiddie has. Um, you know, around the league, I think people people acknowledge that, and the fact that he was willing to 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 come and and be a part of that. I don't know if there are other things going on in terms of the connection to Toronto, but uh, it's a coup. There's no two ways about it. I think he he should turn our offense into you know I think something even better than than uh, than it was last year and it was pretty good last year so i'm i'm really excited i i hope i hope to see you know an air raid style offense i've been begging the argos to push the envelope in terms of creativity and i really hope that is what those two guys are going to cook up 
And we got a new coach at running back, first CFL coaching experience, first pro football coaching experience, Edwin Harrison. So Harrison, you know, did play with the Stampeders, also played with the, the Kansas City Chiefs and has just started getting into coaching, coached a couple years of high school, and now here he is in the CFL. This is the perfect position for him to start out with. I think running backs, he's running backs in quality control. This is a nice way to get your foot in the door in an organization that can lend him so much support. And a a position that I I think, if there's any of these positions that you're gonna start and be brand new to coaching, that's probably the one to go with. Um, And not to say that running backs coach isn't an important job, it is, but, uh, in terms of the support that you can get from the rest of the coaching staff, I, I think it's the perfect place to start. So there you've got a young coach, a bright up-and-comer from Coach Costanza, and then some veterans in, in Coach Miller and Coach Sweet. So I think a perfect mix in terms of the, the staff on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, it is. I think it's a more streamlined coaching staff. Um, last year was a little Frankenstein-y because you had like the 2019 coaches and then you had new coaches and, you know, who's in charge. And, you know, I, I feel like this is a coaching staff um, as opposed to a collection of coaches, which, to be honest, I think is shown by the uh, the the rapid out-of-town movement. Um, you know, I think that this is going to be a more cohesive coaching staff than we had last year. Agree. I, I'm very excited about the staff. And I think it was a bit unfair to Coach Dinwiddie in that half of his staff had been a head coach in the CFL. <laughs> and so it just makes it for yeah. a new coach, for a young coach. Man, that's rough. Yeah, no, agreed. We, I mean, we talked about it and he, you know, he pulled it off, but I'm sure it wasn't easy. And I'm sure there were <laughs> lots of opinions shared on the sideline from all the coaches. I'm sure there there were. But again, what I love about Coach Dinwiddie is that, you know, he's very alpha. He's he's in charge, but he's also very confident in himself that, you know, he doesn't need to be the guy barking commands out there on the field. He doesn't need to be, you know, everyone look at me. I'm the head coach. That's just not his vibe. So uh, I think that you know, he wore that really well last year and he didn't, you know, he's never seemed insecure or worried about anyone expressing their opinion. And he managed things quite well from, from what we saw, you know, and, and, you know, that's, that's all you can really ask on the defensive side of the ball, coach Mace, Corey Mace. I'm very uh, excited about. He's, he's the coach Costanza for the defense and he's going to be the defensive coordinator. He's been coaching the defensive line in Calgary uh, 2016 through to last season and another one of those guys that everybody has been talking about. And what all these guys have in common, coach Mays, coach Costanza, coach Dinwiddie, the first thing that everybody says about them is intelligence. And that's something that seems to be very important to coach Dinwiddie to have on his staff. And the second thing they say is enthusiasm. You look at all these guys, whether it's, you know, Coach Bell, who's going to be back coaching the defensive backs, and we'll get to him in a second. Uh, These are all extremely bright guys who love the game of football. And it just, you know, you can feel that energy exuding from them. And so to have another guy like that on the defensive side of the ball, this defense is going to be hopping around the field because there's so many, so many of those, the guys in that mold on this defensive staff. So yeah, getting... Getting Coach Mace was was huge for the defense. Moving on to the rest of the defensive coaches, uh, Coach Ivan returns as linebackers coach and special teams assistant. 
Uh, defensive backs is, are interesting. We've divided that in two, which makes sense. You've got Coach Bell, who is labeled as the defensive backs coach, and then Coach William Fields, who's labeled as the secondary coach. This is a position that encompasses half of the defensive staff, so or, or personnel. So you've got 12 players on uh, starting on defense. Six of them belong to the defensive backs coach. Having two secondary coaches is an absolute necessity. And why teams haven't done this previously for years, really, and I know some teams have, but why every team has not done this for years is is beyond me. It makes so much sense. Six players. The, the sandbackers never spend any time with the linebackers. They are defensive backs. Um, and they even rotate in that way. And so uh, in terms of positional coaches, that's just having one guy coach uh, six players, especially in the, such a range of position, didn't make sense. So I love the fact that we got an experienced guy in Coach Fields and fairly new coach still in Coach Bell, but one that I was super impressed with last year um, and, you know, until, the, until the turnover. And then special teams coach, I hated to see Coach Nelson go because I really do like him as a person and you know, I've loved him as a coach. Special teams was was not working last year in terms of punt protection. They needed something to change. It didn't really work in terms of kick return, punt return. We just didn't see enough magic out of it. And so they've brought in Mickey Donovan. Coach Donovan has got a, a lot of U Sports experience, which is crucial for a special teams coordinator. You can't come in as a special teams coordinator in the CFL and expect to hit the ground running if your special teams experience is exclusive to American football because it's so different. Not just the rules, but the angles, the width of the field, everything about it. And so you need, it, it's it, it's the most important thing you can have is Canadian special teams coaching experience. And with Coach Donovan, he's got that. He's you know he's been he's coached at, at Western at McGill Concordia, and then with the last few years he's been with the Alouettes. So you know I love this. Uh, I love this hire. I think um, I think that's going to be a huge difference that we notice from game one. I think immediately you're going to see an improvement in special teams play from Coach Donovan. Yeah, it needed it needed a little refreshing. It was not it was not a strength for the Argos last year, and we were still quite good. So. Uh, I'm an, you know, I, I, I like the idea of bringing somebody new in and trying to make this, um, you know, a, a larger part. Like it shouldn't be neutral. If you're, you want to go win the great cup, you need to have good special teams. So I'm, I'm, I'm happy that they're, you know, they're looking to bring in new eyes and new ideas. Let's move on to some of the players that the Argonauts have brought in. So over the last couple of years, JB, we have seen hundreds of players brought in throughout the 2020 season that never happened to uh, the offseason last year. It just seemed like every week the Argos were signing five or six new guys because because they completely cleared the staff. Remember, there were only like three or four returning Argonauts from that dreadful 2019 team. And so that being the case, they had to sign, you know, hundreds of guys. This year's different. Of all the teams in the CFL, the Argos had the most returning players by far. Now, next year is going to be a very different story based on the, the way these contracts have all been signed. But for this year, this is a huge advantage. And so they haven't needed to go out and, and sign dozens of players, but they've brought in some, some interesting players. A lot of receivers, which I think 
in itself is interesting, but what I'm most interested in is speed at receiver. We've got big body receivers in uh, Eric Rogers and Jawan Breskison, who was re-signed. Um, and it's not like uh, Diverse Daniels is, is a, a small guy or anything like that. But what the Argos desperately needed was somebody that was going to stretch out the defense. And I think you bring in as many of those guys as you can and and see what sticks. And one of the most interesting new guys to the CFL that they've brought in is Darice Robertson. So Darice played at, at Wayne State where they had a very pass-heavy offense. Wayne State ran, during his time there, ran a lot of five-wide stuff, stuff that you saw from like the the Bearcats like five or six years ago. Actually, it's probably longer than that ago when Tony Pike was, was quarterbacking for the Bearcats. I, and it's just pass, pass, pass. They basically didn't have a running game. And you watch some of Darius Robertson's highlights, you see that speed. And he doesn't particularly have the kind of frame that NFL teams like at 5'10", 170. He's, he's slight, but I love bringing in a guy like this. And now I know we're not talking about free agent signings yet, but with the signing of Speedy Banks, what a perfect matchup to have Speedy Banks in here, a guy who is basically um, a slightly smaller version of Darius Robertson. And you've got that guy to learn from, this veteran who has played this professional game for that long and at that level to learn from a guy like him. It's a long shot still at this point, but I'm really excited to see Robertson in camp. I think I think he could be he could be huge. The other guy that I'm really interested in seeing is quarterback Chad Kelly. Chad Kelly is a guy that I've followed for a really long time. I'm not a Buffalo Bills fan, but being from Toronto and being an NFL fan, you know, I I was really getting into football when the Bills were terrific in that K-Gun offense. And so Jim Kelly, I, I wouldn't say he's necessarily a, a hero of mine, but he's a quarterback that I looked up to and thought was a fantastic player. And so the first time I heard about Chad Kelly, his nephew, I was intrigued because the first time I heard about him was him winning a uh, pass punt kick contest. And I think he was like 14 or 15 years old and he could he could heave the football 70 yards. And I was just like, whoa, I, you know, we got to follow this guy. And everything that I heard about him, everything I read about him sounded like he was going to be the next big thing. And so I started following his career. But it didn't necessarily go that well at times. And then at times it went extremely well. His play on the field has been tremendous. He's amazing to watch. You watch his highlights from college. You watch his highlights from, from junior college. And even his NFL highlights, they're really good. But he's had so much trouble going all the way back to high school, sticking in one spot because he's continuously been his own worst enemy and found himself in trouble. And, you know, from switching high schools to having to switch colleges uh, on, on a couple occasions and then um, having trouble in the NFL as well, uh, legal trouble that wound up on a couple of different teams there. And now here he is in the CFL. There are signs that he's matured. And if he can fix all of the off the field stuff, his talent level is unquestionable. I'm really excited about his arm. He looks like what you you know, what you dream of when you're kind of, you know, manufacturing the perfect CFL quarterback in your head, a guy that can run, a guy that can throw on the run really well with a rocket arm that can get it all the way across the field. I still think he can speed up his processing. Uh, and that's something that 
I would say about all young quarterbacks. That's something that just, especially coming to the CFL game, there's going to be a learning curve. He's not going to be ready to come right in. I think even expecting him to win the backup job this year just is is unreasonable. But he's got he's he's the mold. You know, he's got everything you need if he can just uh, not you know not continue to hurt himself like he has in the past. So. One probably the guy I'm most excited about in camp. If it's not uh, if it's not Darius, then then it's Chad Kelly. Yeah, he he's he, you know he's been out of football for a year, so I think he realizes that this is it. You know that if if he's going to, you know if he's going to rehabilitate himself, I think the question will be, like we talked about last year when when guys came up and some turned out great, right? Like CN Power was awesome. You know, like if if he is sincerely going to try and be a great CFL player, then you know NFL dreams and that sort of stuff will come. Um, if he's coming up here thinking he's gonna, you know, play minor league ball for a couple of weeks and then head to the NFL, well, then that's gonna go sideways in a hurry. So it's hard to know what's in his mind. But if you know if he sincerely is engaging and wants to become a good CFL player. Uh, I don't see any reason why he couldn't get another NFL shot. Um, you know, I, I think it's a good signing. He, he's got lots of talent. You know, the, I don't know. The percentage of Americans who wash out because of, you know, personality conflicts and then are able, you know, or immature behavior and then come up here and succeed. Like, it's not, it's not high. Um, not just that the star factor like he was a star at Ole Miss yeah he I, was I think it, yeah, one I, of the best quarterbacks in the country I, I think I think it's a, a good shot I trust the Argos I think they've earned my trust anyways because of the guys they brought in last year some who had question marks and and they didn't bring in anybody who was bad news so I trust them to not let a bad guy on the bus so, you know, that's enough for me. I'll give them the benefit of the doubt based on last year. Let's talk about the guys that the Argos did bring back. So our number one priority was Boris Beattie, and they were quick about that one. They, they, they re-signed him uh, January 17th before we got to, before we got anywhere close to free agency opening up. They're like, we have to get him back here. Why is, why is Boris Beattie... The most important signing, JV, for this team. Yeah, I think it's great. I mean, he he was an elite place kicker last year and a perfectly fine punter with the occasional boomer. Um, takes care of two spots. You don't have to worry about it. You know, like that old saying, you know, uh, you know, a kicker is like a, a good lawyer. You know, you don't uh, you don't really appreciate it until you need one. And uh, it, I think he checks those boxes and you don't have to worry about it because as we know here you can spend your whole damn season looking for a kicker um and you know so i i i liked it and he earned it he earned the money and it's good for guys to know that if you perform above you're going to be rewarded by the argos you're not going to need to go to another team to get your cash i think that's an important thing for the room to 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 recognize is yeah, hey, if you go out there and you ball out, you're going to get Argo money. 
And there were three or four teams last year who spent the entire season looking for kickers. Now, one of them was Winnipeg and they won the Great <laughs> I was Cup. I just going to bring that up. But... Yeah, so it doesn't it doesn't always haunt no. you that way. But Winnipeg was, you they know, they lucky. made they, up for they it. They had the luck of, the, luck of the, the Irish going for them all year. The next most important guy to bring back, and this is maybe a topic for debate, McLeod Bethel-Thompson. So he was extended at the very end of January. I think this was always the plan. I don't think they were ever going to go any different direction. I think this, the only thing that delayed this, if it did at all, just would have been the negotiation of salary, et cetera. But it really, if you're looking for an experienced CFL quarterback, and I think you always need one on your team, the options were essentially McLeod Bethel-Thompson um, or Jeremiah Mazzoli. And given the choice between the two, there's, there's no, it's not even a question for me. I think McLeod is, is 100% the way to go. And, and this, was, this just had to happen. So um, I'm, I'm happy with it. I know you're less of a fan than, than I am of, <laughs> of MBT, but I think you agree that this was the route the Argos had to take. Yeah, I don't, I don't see who else he would have signed. I mean, I don't want Mazzoli. And, you know, Dinwiddie believes in him. When an OC believes in a quarterback, that's usually a good sign. Uh, you know, take another step forward in, you know, underneath that OC, know the offense better. You know, I, I felt like there were times last year where they didn't call to his strengths. So I think he still has room to improve in terms of the mesh between him and the play calling. Um He's fine, and I, you know, I wouldn't say no because who, who else is there? There's, there's nobody else. You know, I, I don't, I don't want Trevor Harris. Here's the number one reason to be excited about bringing back McLeod Bethel Thompson. McLeod Bethel Thompson has never, in his CFL career, come into a season where the offense was designed for him. Not once. Yeah. The offense was designed for Ricky Ray, and he took it over. Then the offense was designed for James Franklin with a very different skill set than he had, and he took over that team. Then the offense was designed for Nick Arbuckle, and it, not not as, as polar opposite as, as James Franklin's skill set, but still, they're not the same guy. They're very different quarterbacks. Finally, this year, unless something, unless something unforeseen happens over the next couple months, this is going to be a plan that Coach Dinwiddie from the very start of the year, when he sits down, he starts putting things together. He's planning for McLeod Bethel-Thompson. And as long as he's been in a quarterback in the league, he has never yet had that. Coach Chapdelaine's offense with with uh, with Franklin at quarterback, they had to completely overhaul it midseason. And it really never fully adjusted. And, it, you know, it just never came together. And so to to see that this year from scratch this will really be the first fair shot that McLeod Bethel Thompson has had and with all the tools he got in place this year is the test this is the ultimate test for McLeod Bethel Thompson he's you know he's not like a, a young quarterback anymore we're you know we're, we're we're getting up there in terms of years but really this is the first fair shot he's ever had in the CFL and so if that's not a reason to be excited with you know with an offense that wasn't ready for him it wasn't prepared for him he led the league in touchdowns last year with an offense that wasn't designed for him he led the Argos to a first place regular season finish in the east let's see what he does when the tools are made for him yeah it's a good point you know I I I still remain a little muted um but I'm you know I'm perfectly fine with him coming back I'm not you know I'm I wouldn't you know 
It's not it's not a problem. I think that he is he is you know, we saw last year he's perfectly capable of winning the Grey Cup. You know, I watched that Grey Cup last year. There's there's no reason this cannot be a Grey Cup winning team with him at quarterback. Other big players that were extended or, or resigned, Darius Bladek, and also well, I'm going to include Shane Richards in that because that brings back your top six O linemen from last season. So your five starters and Richards was the first lineman off the bench. And to have them back, you've still got uh, Theron Churchill uh, under contract as well if you want to kind of make him the seventh. Uh, really, you should not see any new faces if the lineup stays uh, you know, as is, status quo. That's a huge advantage to not have new pieces on an offensive line, new pieces that you have to start from scratch with for in terms of communication and everything else. So I, I think that's sort of an underrated signing, bringing back those two guys. Yeah, it's, it's terrific. You know, offensive line especially is one of those positions where um, routine and and understanding each other and working as a unit is so crucial. Um you know, this off season is going to be relatively normal, knock on wood, in terms of timeline and then camp and then preseason. Uh, I think the Argos are in a great situation to have that many returning guys. Um, you know, I think that they are they are definitely. Um, you know, I mean, I you know, I I'm very enthusiastic about this squad. I think that you have to be. You know, you have to be very negative to not feel that this is the uh, the best roster in the East. Coming from you, that means something. <laughs> you know, I mean, they just are. You know, they're it's the best roster in the East. Um, you know, I don't think there's I don't think there's any debating it. <laughs> it turns out there is debating it. Uh, if you've been on Twitter, uh, there's a lot of debating it. There, people are calling Ottawa the best. The you know the the best team in the East suddenly on paper I don't I don't see that yet. I mean Hamilton's um, fine. Hamilton's got they've added some nice pieces. Uh, they've lost a lot too fine, though. No, they, you know they come on they're not going to pull eighteen passes in a row out of their hat again. Like let's it's go. true. Uh, moving on, uh, brought a couple receivers back. Seemingly have let a couple go. Jawan Breskison resigning, uh, Devars Daniels resigning, but Levi Noel is is. Um, no longer a, a Toronto Argonaut. He signed with Ottawa. He's one of those uh, those Ottawa guys camp, I just mentioned. Camp, camp God, Levi Noel. He was man. I was so excited to see him <laughs> last you, year, and he just told. could, but he couldn't shake the injury. He, that hamstring just stuck with him all season long, and I was waiting for him to come back because, in my mind, if you could have had, if you could have found a way to have Noel and Gittins Jr. the way he was playing and Breskison all out there together, it just frees up so many. So many possibilities to have three Canadian receivers like that, but it was not to be. And um, yeah, Ottawa was obviously impressed with his his training camp from from last year, I guess. But he did look good. Um, he looked he was the best player in camp and just never got a chance to show it in the regular season. Ricky Collins Jr. doesn't look like he's coming back to this point. Uh, he has not yet been picked by picked up by anybody. He led the team last year in receptions and yardage. Um, Surprised that they haven't brought him back? Not really. I think, uh, you know, watching him last year, he, you know, just watching, he didn't, he didn't seem to have the full route tree uh, at his disposal. It was he was used in a very odd way. I found like every pass he got was at the line of scrimmage. 
you know, I don't know. Usually it means that the other choices aren't there for him. Uh, I, look, I thought he was, I thought he made some good plays last year. Um, but I, you know, I, even though he ended up leading the team, um, I never thought of him as, you know, as a, as a game changer. So I, it, it doesn't, I'm okay. I'm okay. If they bring him back, I think that's fine. If they move on, I think that's fine. You know, I I think he is who he is. He's a number, you know, he's a number four receiver on a good team. I think Banks is a is an improvement on him, to be honest. And uh, I'm 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 ready to to move forward. But if if they bring him back, you know, so that's not the most ringing endorsement of Ricky Collins, but. And I would suggest the coaching staff felt similarly because they, you know, they didn't really have him starting a lot of the time too. you know, started the season behind Daniel Braverman. And then because of injury, he was he was on the field. And, you know, whenever there seemed to be an opportunity, it seemed like someone else was in there. And so to me, it just it just seemed like they were never on the same page. I I don't know that there's anything to that at all. Well, I think if you if you lead a team in yards receiving and then you're not offered a contract, then you, you can. I think you can let your you can infer a number of things. I I hope he lands somewhere. Uh, I like watching him play. I think he's exciting. That Ricky Collins Jr. screen, as we came to call that uh, that that Z Quick, that they love to run to him. Some of the other big signings, bringing back Enoch Mwamba. Uh, yeah, I was hugely excited about this. You see the the difference between when Mwamba was in the game when versus when he wasn't. The Pass defense was better. The run defense was better. The whole team played better when Mwamba was in the game. It was it was a a stark difference between him on the field and him off the field. I don't know if any other one player. He's got one. Made that he's kind of he's got one more good year in him, so I'm I'm all for it. Yeah, yeah, and I would love to see that guy transition into coaching when he eventually hangs it up. I know he's expressed some interest in in management, uh, and maybe that's something that. That he can look into when he when he eventually retires too. But yeah, for now, uh, he's he should be out there and he is out there. So yeah, I'm excited to see him return. And what do you think of them bringing back Chris Edwards? Yeah, love uh, it. that it, he he's gonna start the first part of the season suspended. I think he's gonna miss the first six games uh, unless I, there's. You know what? I mean, I don't know. Like I know he kind of dropped off. I'm surprised that uh, you know Coach Jones didn't try and poach him. Um, I, I thought Chris Edwards, you know, was for me was the defensive MVP of the first half of the season. Um, I'm I'm all for it. I think I think he has the potential to be great. You know, I mean, he's not perfect, but uh, man, that guy flashes. Like anytime you have a guy who flashes, sign me up. I'm I'm good for it. I don't I don't care if he makes the occasional blown play you know he he absolutely can be a star in this league and if you haven't seen our top 50 plays of the argos season last year it's a video you can find on youtube you can find it on our website xsandargos.com going through some of the film you could have made a top 50 of chris edwards plays it just seemed like in filtering out some of that some of those plays and going through that list it was so hard to remove some of those chris edwards plays but you couldn't have the entire highlight tape be about him it was just one of those things where he just he found a way like every every it's not like he had a ton of sacks or a ton of interceptions but every single one he had was game changing and and every every hit he had somehow swung the momentum. He just found a way. Whenever it was that moment where okay, the Argos need a big play on defense, 
it was always Chris Edwards who who answered the bell. And I look forward to his first game in Hamilton. Well, that's when he comes back. I was talking to the guys on the Argos Fancast the other day, and they had already done the math on that. And his first game back after that six-game suspension is Hamilton. So <laughs> buckle up. <laughs> that if if there's if there's any reason that the league has to reduce his suspension, that that might be it alone. Because I don't know, he's going to come flying out in that game. I can't wait to see that. JB, let's move along to uh, talk about some of these big free agent signings. The Argos were big players in free agency this year. Let's let's go through, um, I guess, the the big names and. The guys that we were surprised by, guys we're excited by here. So let's start off on the offensive side of the ball. Andrew Harris, uh, that is a signing that I did not see coming at all. Some of these other signings, I kind of uh, kind of had a, an inkling that you know, maybe the guy would end up here or you hear rumors or you know, someone sent me a message saying, you know, I hear this guy's talking to the Argos. I heard nothing about Andrew Harris. I didn't really even think of it. It was a position of need, but... Uh, I, I just wasn't really registering that as as a move they would make. Um, how do you feel about it? I think it's okay. Um, you look, he's 34 years old. Does he have one more year in him? Can he work with DJ and and give them a bit of a, a red zone veteran presence? Um, you know, I... I I'm okay with it. I You know, they needed another running back. Um, you know, I trust Pinball to 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 see if he, if he, the guy's got enough gas. I mean, thirty four is tough. You know, is he going to yeah. be able to? Is he going to be able to play a full season? I don't know. I I would I would say eyebrow arched at him being able to play a full season. You know, can you keep him fresh all year? I don't know. Is it is it Charleston Hughes at running back? To be determined. That, that would be the worst case scenario there. Um, Not to but, show you know a stray bullet for Charleston, but you know it, when you it, it's a lottery ticket. You know he's thirty four. Can you get one more year out of him? Hmm. Maybe. So my view on it, I'm not a big running backs guy. And so when I initially saw this, I was actually not excited at all about this because I just don't, I don't, I, and I've had to explain this because it's, it's important that you understand where I'm coming from here. I think running backs should be paid as well as anyone, if not better than anyone else in terms of what they go through. I think that is the most physically demanding job. I think it's the most dangerous job in football. I think from an ethical standpoint, Running backs should be paid more than anyone else. Now, that said, as a general manager, I would not spend a lot of money on running backs because I think that there are things that great running backs can add to your team. And there's no question that, uh, you know, they can be game changers individually in high school, in college. But in pro football, the offensive line, the quarterback play, uh, the passing game, a lot of that dictates the success that you're going to have out of the backfield. And so I'm, my own philosophy, and it's not the only philosophy you can have, I'm, I'm open to, to other opinions on this, but my own philosophy is that you don't spend a lot of money, back, or a lot of money on your running backs. And, and so that made me nervous with this signing, add to the fact that he's 34. Here's why I do like it, though. The most important thing to me that a running back can add, and this is where running backs do, for me, have value, is pass protection. 
I love his pass protection. I think he's very good at that. He's also great at catching the ball out of the backfield. And that's something that now the running back team does quite well. And so you add that to the fact that he's also a downhill runner. And you remember how painful it was watching some of those third and ones last year. We just could not convert second and one, third and one. It haunted us all season. And now you've got an answer for that. Harris can plunge downhill, get you that first down. So I'm excited about those things. This wasn't the most exciting signing for me. I know he's a draw. He's a big name. Uh, He's been on all the, the TV shows and everyone's talking about him. And that's great. I love to see that. But in terms of football and the play on the field, he adds in terms of pass protection. He adds in terms of downhill running. But um, yeah, it wasn't the signing I was most excited about. I mean, I think they definitely need to get one more running back in there. I think you, you know, like some of the older defensive linemen, you definitely have to have a rotation. I think you want to keep Harris's touches down to 10 a game. You know, I, I think if you're going above 10 a game, you're not going to get 16 games out of them in the playoffs. So I think it's a fine move, but I, I hope they bring in uh, an, another back who can, you know, they can really go, uh, you know, um, as a group, um, share share the share the weight. So I think, I think it could be a good signing if used properly and they don't have to overuse him. Like, unfortunately, they had to with Charleston. So, you know. Shout out Charleston. And this is sort of an interesting thing to think about. I love DJ Foster. I'm wondering if he's in the plans here. And the reason I'm saying that is not because of his play at all. You know, I think he's been nothing but perfect since he got here. Winnipeg had running back as an exclusively Canadian position. They went three deep with Canadian running backs. That was sort of a philosophy that they had, and it allowed them some flexibility elsewhere. Now, it's not that you have to go Canadian position. There are other ways that you can handle the number of Canadians that you've got on the field, but by far the easiest, especially when it comes to in-game injuries and replacements, by far the easiest route is to do it by position. And so when... Harris signed, I I started thinking about, well, you know, what other Canadian running backs? And and there are some, but not guys that you are sort of thinking as primary ball carriers in in Pellerin and, uh, you know, Pellerin and Cross and and Robo and and, and so on. So then it got me thinking to the draft. Like, are they looking at uh, University of Saskatchewan's uh, Adam Mackard? Are they thinking about drafting a Canadian running back to complement Harris? So they at least have the option of going that direction. And then you can still get... Harris, you, you, sorry, you can still get Foster into the game um, with some creativity and having both backs on the field. You know, we saw them do that last year with White. That's still an option too. So I think there's some exciting possibilities there, but that's my new, that's my new thought is I, I, think, I think that the Argos are looking at running back in the draft uh, or there's another Canadian running back out there they're looking to acquire. So I, w- I would be surprised if we get to post-draft and there's not another talented Canadian running back that's been added but we'll see we'll see there are other ways you could go other guys that uh, we brought in that is sort of exciting um I think Jagera Davis has got to be up there the guy that almost single-handedly ruined that playoff game last year the Eastern final when he somehow got out in coverage on DJ Foster's wheel route uh, and broke up that pass that's still that still is unreal to me so bringing in Jagger Davis I think that's a big move I I love the look of this D-line with him added yeah he's he's a great signing you know again 
pinball seems to be you know picking the guys who really hurt us which is not a bad strategy no get rid of them bring them in i don't want to have to face them you know he can play inside and outside uh he's another rotational guy um d- defensive lineman age a little slower i'm 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 better with him being a little older than say at running back um good signing you know i think that it weakens hamilton you know he'll be fired up for those hamilton games there's nothing wrong with having a guy fired up to beat uh your number one opponent so uh, i think it's i think that's that's the signing of the offseason i think that he's He's not a star, but he is, you know, he's a full-time professional defensive lineman. He makes that room and that unit stronger. Um, I'm, you know, I think that's a really good move. And the defense also added to Sean Amos that I'm excited about him. And he's a guy that I don't know exactly what the plan is for. So I'm not sure where they're going to put him so he's he's always been a halfback and and plays that position well I'm starting to wonder if the start of the season might feature him as the sandbacker and you know unless you wanted to bring I I guess you you know you have the options of bringing Shaq down to play sandbacker he's done that before in Calgary uh Jeff Richards got the the body type to be able to do it but I wonder if that might be the plan to uh, have Deshaun Amos because he's got that flexibility, because he can physically play that position. Maybe you start the season with him. You've got six games to cover before Edwards comes back. You start with him at 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 Sam. And if everyone's still healthy by the time Edwards comes back, well, then that's, you know, that's a good problem to have. Um, but if not, then you've got Edwards to to sort out, you know, whatever juggling that you've, you've had to do. So I, I think that's a really big signing and underrated one. I know he wasn't used a ton last year in Calgary, and I don't know exactly what went on there, but he's a good player. So yeah, I'm excited and, and to have him in. I'm sure they ran that past Coach Bell. And, you know, he had his, you know, um, he had his best season under Coach Bell. Um, you know, I, I think that, uh, you know, I think that, that, that that's, you know, I think that if he if he wants to, bring him in that is a great sign yeah for sure and then we can move on to uh the signing of marquita ambles uh, which i kind of wondered about uh you know we heard i heard a few things about this early in uh i guess early in the year early january and it seemed to be uh, a really nice fit for a few reasons. So Marquis Thambles, if we just look positionally, um, he has played a lot of that uh, number three to the field spot. Uh, and that suddenly is a position that is open with, uh, you know, with the, the absence of uh, Ricky Collins Jr., for example. Um, this is a possibility. And they've gone and brought back basically the entire Calgary receiving core from 2018 and they've added Curly Gittens Jr. to it. So that's that's a pretty nice combination. But you look at how they stacked up in Calgary when they were all healthy. Um, when you had, you had DeVaris Daniels uh, playing the the X and then it was Ambles, uh, Breskison, Eric Rogers uh, in the slots. Um, and now you just got Curly Gittens Jr. playing that Z uh, to bring back Coach Dinwiddie's receiving core from from a few years ago. It's so weird uh, all this sort of Calgaryness that's been going on. But I kind of I've sort of embraced it now. Um, but yeah, I, I love adding him. Now, when they added him, I kind of thought they were done though, and uh, it turns out they were not. A few days later, it's Speedy Banks who also 
has played that same position a lot. He's also played the middle middle slot in the field side uh, where I kind of see Breskison lining up. Uh, he does have a bit of flexibility, but what do you make of the combination of those two signings uh, with, you know, Ambles and, and Speedy Banks? Pretty different guys, but guys that play that same inside spot. Um, depth. We saw last year how many guys got hurt. You can't have too much depth at the wide receiver position. Um, I think Banks still has another season in him of, of being a professional receiver. Um, you know, I think that, you know, I, I hope that uh, no, too, not too much is expected of them. I, you know, these are not star signings, even though Banks is a star name. Um, but if, if used properly, and I hope they don't use them for much returning, um, but if used properly, I think he can be a good addition. I just hope that uh, people do not think that they're getting speedy banks, you know, special team, all-star. Uh, that is not who I, that's not who he was on the field last year. And I, I don't think that's who he is. I think he's a really good replacement for Ricky Collins Jr., We'll see how that goes. I'm not sure we're not going to see him kick returning, punt returning. I think he's going to be used a lot less than he was. And I think having Ambles gives you that flexibility where Banks doesn't need to be an every down guy. He can he can have he can be on sort of not that he needs to be on a snap count, but he can be. And that frees you up to maybe get a bit more of him. Uh, from him on on kick return, punt return, because that was an area of Toronto's game last year that just really didn't respond ever. We didn't have any massive punt return, kick returns. There were there were a few, um, but not a ton. And so I would like to see improvement in that area. That's another area where some of these fast guys that that have come in um, may be able to add something to that. Guys like Ernest Edwards and and Derese Roberson, um, you know, maybe they have something um, that they can add in the return game. But yeah, I, I'm okay with seeing Banks back there. You want to just put a little bit of electricity into the crowd, especially against Hamilton. You can't say you don't think he might uh, be able to to break one against his former team. I would I would love to see that on Labor Day. Yeah, I mean. Maybe if they're kicking out of their end zone, he's catching it on the 50. Sure, spot spot returning, I'm okay with. And I think he's a nice change of pace uh, in the receiving core, too. You know, he's his straight line speed still looks good. He seems to have lost a little bit of side to side. We saw that was a, a difference last year. And he's going to have to kind of learn to play uh, within himself a little bit. And I think the offense going into it, it's easier this year. Having seen what he did last year, Coach Dinwiddie will have a much easier time than they did in Hamilton last year, where they, at the beginning of the season, the, the first half of the season, they were asking him to do everything he did previously. And he clearly wasn't that exact same guy anymore. So, you know, I, I think I think this is a good situation for him. But like you said just now, and like you said in your article, expectations for him can't be that he's coming in to be an all-star. If you view him as coming in to be the fourth leading receiver on the team or third leading receiver maybe on the team, then I, I think this is a great signing and I think that's how you have to look at it. JB, let's talk about our last topic for the day, position of need. What do we still need out here? For me, there's, there's not a ton. 
I like this team. I like the way it's constructed. We'll still bring in a lot more bodies because you need more bodies for camp. You need more bodies for not only current year evaluation, for future evaluation. A lot of the guys that they bring in and cut get brought back in, in you know, future years, depending on, on you know, what, what they what they do with their career. And, you know, obviously the, the scouting staff keeps track of them, maybe watches them on other teams and gives them another opportunity down the road. That's all really important. But in terms of, this starting roster for 2022, there are not a lot of holes here. There's one more thing I want to see, though. I want to see one more offensive lineman brought in. I would really like to see Riker Matthews. I don't know what his situation is like. He hasn't been re-signed by the BC Lions yet. Uh, I don't know if he's interested in coming back. I don't know if he's interested in going to Toronto. But he's a guy that has played right tackle and left tackle. I like him equally on both sides. And to have a guy like that come in, I think he would actually, I actually still think he would have a, a really good shot at, at starting uh, at either tackle spot. I think he'd probably start at left tackle though. Um, but I would love to bring him in for that competition. See if that elevates the, the play of uh, Dejon Allen. See if that elevates the play of Jamal Campbell. And know that you've got a guy that can step in and perform. Shane Richards, who I do like as a right tackle, really just saw his action at guard. And I think the coaching staff has sort of decided that that's where he's best to fill in, is in those guard spots. So yeah, I, w- I would be really excited about bringing in Riker Matthews. Other than that, I really don't have any positions of need, not, not glaring ones anyway. Uh, do you see it the same way? Yeah, team looks good. You know, uh, it'd, be, it'd be good to bring in another running back. Of course, you always like to bring in another offensive lineman. Um, you know, maybe the Ottawa kid who hasn't signed for some reason. Um, but uh, no glaring holes, really. Uh, I think I think across the board, they they are returning a team that was good last year, and uh, I'm happy with the people they've signed. The people they've signed are exactly who good teams sign, which are um, you know number two and number threes. You know, to give you more depth. Um, you don't have to go out and sign all stars because you already have a good team. So I'm I'm very happy with the team building I've seen. Well, that will just about do it for us on this special episode of the X's and Argos podcast. Let me just go through our schedule coming up and tell you about some exciting new things. We've got a newly designed website, which you can check out at xsandargos.com. It looks very much the same as the old website, like it's being run by a couple of old guys, uh, but it's uh, but it's new. It's got it's got a bit more flash to it, and it allows us to do a few more things. And so you can expect a little bit more uh, from the content of our articles, and a few more articles at that too. We've we've been pretty good at keeping up with all of the transactions that the Argos have made uh, over the last month and a half. So do check that out when you can. And we've added a store feature, um, teaming up with uh, Zazzle. And so you can go out and buy those beautiful X's and Argos coffee mugs. That's my favorite. Of all the things we've got there, you know, you've got, you've got hoodies and, and, and t-shirts and the, actually the, the beer glass is pretty nice too. But my favorite is the, the tall mug. If you're going to buy one thing, one X's and Argos thing, uh, the tall mug is my favorite coffee drinking mug. So uh, that would be my personal recommendation. So do check that out. And you can find all our stuff at X's and Argos.com. Our schedule coming up. 
in about a month's time, we will launch into our weekly podcast. It's going to start getting very busy. You've got the CFL combines, the draft will be approaching, training camp will be approaching. I'm so glad we're back to a regular schedule and we're not starting the CFL season in August. So I can't wait for all that stuff. So unless there's an emergency podcast, we will see you in about a month's time. For JB, this is Ben Grant saying so long and may all your pre-snap reads be good ones. I'll see you. Fight the foe, foe.